Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is G.V. Freeman. He is a transformational guide who helps humans unstuck themselves. With an integrated approach to coaching and sacred medicine, he and his clients use centuries-old tools to solve modern-day problems. I love that TV. Thank you. I just think, oh, now this is going to be an awesome interview because I'm so excited about everything you do. Um, So paint a picture for what does that mean, the centuries-old tools for our modern day, and we have many. We have many problems. We have many Um, problems. The the tradition that I study in, we look at problems sort of in three big kind of generic levels. We have physical problems, we have psychological problems, and we have spiritual problems. Mm -hmm. and the way that like I approach solving those are sort of from a, a few different ways. Um, at a really broad level, I, say, I like to say we use entrepreneurship, mental health, and psychedelics as the three kind of broad buckets. But going a little bit deeper, there's Buddhism and Advaita Vedanta, which is the kind of precursor to Hinduism. There is, it's thousands and thousands of year old philosophies that the rishis of India or the shamans of you know South America and Peru and Bolivia and uh, they've been using these tools to help people in their communities for thousands of years and in a lot of ways I just take those and I dress them up in a world that uh, in a way that's sort of acceptable to people here right uh, to make them more easily understandable. That makes a lot of sense because to some people, that kind of a thing is like, that's weird. Yeah. Right. And or, and I don't know. It, it seems scary or so old fashioned. Like we have such new great things to do now. But it's been around for thousands <laughs> <Yeah>. of years <laughs> thinking there might be something to it. Yeah. You know? There is a reason we call them the wisdom traditions. Mm-hmm. I think another big reason why people shy away from some of this is that it feels like religion. Ah, okay, gotcha. And it's not religion. Spirituality no. spirituality can be found inside of religion. Right. But not all religion contains spirituality. I agree 100%. <laughs> I Well, you know, I mean, growing up with a religion, and it just did not resonate with me. And I was looking for another religion at some point and realized, oh, I don't have to do the religion Mm-mm. thing. I can just... Do spirituality, and that can look like whatever I need it to look like for me. So to me, that's a super exciting way to go. And what I would encourage or maybe invite or offer to people is that spirituality can be really simple. It's just self-knowledge. Exactly. And and it's it's paying it having that self-awareness. Um meditation is super helpful with this. Mm-hmm. And then you have other, so you work with with predominantly entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and we all know how difficult that world is. Mm-hmm. I've done some work with you. It's been transformational. And so that is my testimonial for GV. Yes, <laughs> transformational. I will tell you, I met you in November, and and life is going so well. And I mean, my life has always been really interesting, but I would say way more interesting than ever before. Um, and so then you've got these entrepreneurs that you're working with that are doing the difficult thing of being an entrepreneur. 
And I've always said part of being an entrepreneur is really taking yourself on. It's going to hit you on every level. It's going to hit you spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. And so you help support that. Mm -hmm. When you say it's going to hit you, the way the words that I would use is it's going to show you where your reactivity lies. There you go. Thank you. The world is perfectly designed to show us where our reactivity is. That reactivity, oftentimes, we blame it on other people. Uh, Oh, this person did this thing to me and it made me so angry or made me so sad. And we offload all of our reactivity onto someone else. What I help people do is understand that that reactivity is really a blessing. Um, understanding every time that I am upset with something, that's reactivity inside of me. And really that reactivity comes from what we would consider sort of in the spiritual world as our shadow. Um, There are parts of ourself that we are not familiar with and that's probably been around for a long time. And the more tightly our shadow is fused to ourself, the more we get into reactivity versus what we like to say, like if you're reacting to something versus responding to something. Ah, got ya. Okay. The faster or more powerful my reaction is, the more stuff I have hiding in my shadow. And what I help people do is learn the truth, learn to see what's in their shadow. And, you know, I think that this is, it's important to note that, you know, if there is a certain thing that's happening, like, you, oh, oh, this this client was just like that last client. Well, that, <laughs> oh, this client's just like that one. And, you know, and you're having this issue with this certain kind of client. Why are you attracting that client? That's the question. Yeah. What What is my shadow blind spot? What am I missing here that keeps attracting this particular person to me? What am I supposed to learn? Well, like I said, the universe is perfectly designed to burn out this reactivity. I think that we're all here to be happy. I agree. And for us to be happy, we have to let go of that reactivity. But we don't know where the reactivity is unless somebody is showing us. So I like to tell my clients all the time, it's not my fault for pressing your buttons. It's your fault for having buttons to press. Ah, yeah, right. Gotcha. So the universe is just created to show us where our reactivity is. So there's something that the universe is telling you with these multiple clients. There's something that the universe is saying, hey, it's time to pay attention to this. Yeah. Are you willing to pay attention? And when you start realizing that the only thing staying the same is you, like the clients are all different. Right, right, right. But you're in the middle of this. Then you get an opportunity to say, huh, like what am I supposed to learn now? Exactly. And the more you learn... The more truth you discover about yourself, the less reactive you will be. And you become happier. Yeah. I mean, that's like the the amazing thing. And so with your clients, you're working with them. You you have one-on-one clients. You also have people that you work with in groups. Mm-hmm. And, and let's talk about the plant medicine part of this because I think that is fascinating and a lot of people want to know more. What does that look like? Yeah, so I... In 2015, like the the really, really short version of my story is I came from a tiny little town in the middle of central Nebraska. 
Um, at 15 years old, 14 years old, I got outed as a gay kid in a tiny little school in the middle of central Nebraska. And my sophomore year in high school was horrible. Oh, yeah. So I had the, the means, thanks to like my parents, they allowed me to become a foreign exchange student when I was 15 years old. So oh, awesome. at 15, my junior year, I left home for 11 months and I lived in Belgium. Now, great experience. And, and in many ways, I look back on that and say, wow, like how much did I learn and how all of these people that I met and getting out of this small town, Nebraska. Right. At the same time, I developed a pretty unhealthy relationship with specifically alcohol. Um, it wasn't until 2007 when the court system said, you know what, we think that you should stop drinking now. <laughs> um, They're very helpful with that. Yeah, they, they tend to be. So I decided finally to listen to them. So in 2007, I got sober. In 2010, I moved to St. Louis. 2012, I found therapy and yoga. Um, in, in 2013, I did my yoga teacher training and was exposed to shamanism. My first kind of dip into the shaman world. 2015, I ended up in Peru, sitting with ayahuasca in the jungle with, uh, with a shaman and some people in a, in a sacred ceremony. So my first intentional experience with plant medicine was in Peru with what I call the sledgehammer of psychedelics being ayahuasca. And what is ayahuasca made of? What what makes ayahuasca? Ayahuasca's typically, there's lots of different ways to prepare it and it's up to each individual. But for the most part, it's two plants. Um, the ayahuasca vine, uh, which contains an MAO inhibitor and the chacruna shrub, which contains DMT. Okay. And the combination of those when brewed over the sometimes the course of days creates sort of a brown sludgy tea. That, Sounds so yummy. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not the most pleasant thing to drink. There's also, um, it, it's one of the more powerful psychedelic substances that people can experience. It, like all of the psychedelic substances, um, one of the the origins of psychedelics are mind manifesting. Okay. So it, it, shows us, once again, we talk about the truth about what's inside of us. And psychedelics tend to give us both a, like a big spotlight and a magnifying glass. So we get to see what's inside of us. And then once that awareness comes up, we get to start working on it. And it's very different. It's not the same as alcohol or other stuff. It's very different. Yeah. Very, I don't know anybody who, especially with ayahuasca, I don't know anybody who chooses to use ayahuasca recreationally. Um, I think of things, so I wrote a book a couple of last year, I guess, um, called the Psychedelic Field Manual. Mm -hmm. And the way that I talk about these substances in that book, um, alcohol, opioids, um, cocaine, nicotine, sugar, all of these things yeah. are sort of in what I call the class of substances called escapist. Okay. So they help I us. I got to get out of here. I'm going to go eat a brownie yeah. or have a drink. Gotcha. I'm going to not feel my feelings. I'm going to escape my feelings. Yep. The psychedelics that we're talking about in the way that we're talking about them, what I, I refer to them as confrontational. So they help us confront the stuff that is already inside of us. And heal it. And oftentimes heal it. The, uh, the, the four classic hallucinogens being DMT, psilocybin, mescaline, and LSD are not addictive. They do not bind to the same receptors in the brain that okay. nicotine or cocaine or alcohol do. So they are 
They are not physiologically addictive. Anybody who would say they're not addictive is also taking us a, a little bit of a short-sighted approach because the the feeling, the potential escapist behavior, right. like, oh my God, this is like, this feels really good. I don't have to feel my feelings and I'm right. going to start doing this every weekend. Right. That's a different problem. That's a different issue. Yeah. So, so the idea is when you do any of these, um, the psychedelics that you mentioned, it's not just a one night deal and, you know, it's not a party with what you do. It isn't, oh, I really want to do mushrooms. Let me get together with this group and go do a bunch of mushrooms. There's a lot of work to be done after. And like, what does that look like? What's the setting? Yeah, I think that I, I wrote a blog post last year called The Seven Steps to Psychedelic Success. Mm-hmm. And there's, uh, if we talk about the the three kind of big ones, preparation, the experience itself, and integration. And then maybe even the fourth one being uh activation. Okay. So for preparation and for ayahuasca specifically, there's a, there's a diet, the dieta that we honor uh, and we clean up all of the things that we're putting in our body. That could be food. It could be media going off of social media, stop reading the news. So we're cleaning up both our thoughts and our physical body. Okay. That can go from, you know, two weeks to a month for mushrooms. It's not for psilocybin. It's not that rigorous of a um, cleaning up process. Okay. But there should be some intentionality in the preparation. So setting an intention, what is it that you want to have happen? Or what is it that you want to learn when you come into a ceremony? So that's all of the preparation phase. For the actual ceremony itself, the way that we approach this is in a a very ceremonial way. Each individual comes up, they take the sacrament, they go back to their mat um, or their their cushion, and there is no interacting between any of the participants. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is no talking. There is no touching. Uh, We honor noble silence through the course of the ceremony. It's typically done in a dark room with music playing, and each individual gets to be with themselves by themselves for, you know, four to four and a half hours. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, And sometimes very few people, honestly, in the world that we live in today, very few people ever spend four and a half hours sitting quietly. Yeah, no. Not unless they're sleeping. Or maybe, you know, streaming something that they can't stop watching. (laughs) Yeah. That's an input. But yes, The the input is external at this point. Now, when we take a a substance like this, we're only looking at inputs that are coming from the inside. So our input is the mind, our input is the heart, our input is the body. So that's a, you know, with mushrooms, it's a four to four and a half hour experience. With ayahuasca, it's a four to six hour experience where you're simply... Uh, going inside and gaining awareness of, again, what's happening on the inside. The final two pieces, integration. Uh, I, I think of integration as this, you know, we were walking down a path for many years and that path is well worn right like it is hard packed this is, dirt this happens then i do this or think yeah. this way or feel this way that's yeah. all of our reactivity right so it's a well-worn dirt path and we don't even have to like think about where we're walking our feet just know the way yep with an experience like this we oftentimes jump the path 
and we can start walking a new path. Some people think of this as like a fresh coat of snow. Gotcha. And now we get to start walking this new path, but this new path is overgrown. There is no real way to know where we're going. Integration, in my perspective, is how we got from the old path to the new path. It is taking this experience with sometimes can't be explained with words. Right. It can be a very ethereal, um, ineffable experience. We don't have, humans don't even have, the English language does not even have words to describe feelings. Right. Like we don't have a word to describe sadness. We know where sadness, how we feel it. Right. We know that tears might come True. out of our eyes. So these psychedelic uh, journeys... We don't have words to describe what can happen in these journeys, but we can uh, say, wow, when this happened in my experience, it really is now sort of coming out or affecting my life in this way. Right. That's integration. It's understanding. And it's not swaying off to the other well-worn path. Yeah. Keeping on the new path. And I mean, you're you're probably going to go over to the old path sometimes. Be like, whoa, you got to recognize it. Whoa, old path. Wait, let me hop on over to the new one. So the integration piece is understanding how we got from path one to path two. Ah. Activation is changing behavior in our day-to-day -day life that keeps us moving down path two. Gotcha. And so you're right. Sometimes, like, I'm a sugar addict. 100% sugar I'm addict. with you, GV. <laughs> I'm with you. It's so, a tough one. So I do really well, and I'm hanging out over here on path number two, not eating sugar, doing yep. really well. And then I'll have a really crappy day. And you know what? Amazingly, I yeah. start to move you back to path number one. start to find it. Yeah. Oh. And as long as we have set... As long as we have an understanding of where path number two is, yeah, we can usually find our way back. Right. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's challenging. Um, and don't give up, right? Just, I mean, it's, it's, it's don't give up. So the experience is going to be very unique to every individual, depending upon their intention and what shows up for them. Um, and for people out there that may think, oh, that sounds dangerous. Like, what? You create a very safe space. Yeah. I think that, you know, one of my teachers, Ram Das, Richard Alpert, uh, he and Timothy Leary were, <laughs> were doing all of this work in the 60s and through right. the 70s. And back then, it used to be very simple. Set and setting. Mm -hmm. Mindset and the setting in which you're in. Okay. The noble silence, the no talking, the no touching, that creates safety. Got, yeah. Um, and the the way that we facilitate these ceremonies between myself and the individuals that are assisting or helping, we are really there to keep people safe and allow each person to do their own work in the way that they need to. Right. To your point, yes. Every person's experience is different. They're going to have their own experience, but they're all going to go through the same sort of process of ingesting a certain amount of substance, having a four to four and a half hour experience coming out, sharing some about that experience. So how do we stay safe? Uh, set, setting, and then I would add dosage mm -hmm. um, and substance. So 
if you have never tried one substance and it's your first time, maybe lower the dose. Right, right. And, I, and the way that I was taught, each individual has agency. Some people come up and they want to take a small dose and that's totally fine. Right. Other people come up and they want to take a large dose and that's fine. Um, and each person gets to choose for each time they sit. So if you want to take a small dose one time and a large dose the next time, I think that we as active and involved participants uh, get to make those choices. Very cool. Wow. It's so interesting that, um, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated with all of this and, and this is legal. But, yes. Okay. It is legal. It is legal. What you do, and it's getting to be more accepted in other places. So, the Supreme Court. Um, let me maybe go back one step. That in 1991, these two Native American men in Oregon got fired from their job working at a at a drug treatment facility because they had participated in a in a ceremony, a Native American church ceremony, where they ingested peyote as a sacred sacrament. Right. That case went all the way to the Supreme Court, and uh, they ruled in favor or uh, against these two men in 1991. In 93, Congress passed the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act that allowed these people to be able to use the sacrament in a sacred way. There have since been two cases adjudicated at the Supreme federal Supreme Court level that says with some qualifications and the sincere use of these substances can be used for religious purposes. Okay. So the way that we are serving these substances today is a sacred sacrament. We, we are not healers. If healing occurs, it is between you and the higher power that you are connecting to. Gotcha. I am not there to heal anyone. Mm -hmm. I am merely there to offer, much like a pastor or a minister might, uh, to, to put a congregation together and to offer people an opportunity to connect with a power greater than themselves right. in the way that they want to. So at a very specific legal perspective, the Supreme Court has allowed us, or excuse me, Congress, through the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act passed in 1993, has allowed us the ability to serve these sacraments in a sacred and religious way. Got yeah, and and the healing part. Let's go to that because no one can actually heal another person. They the, that that person has to be an active participant in that healing. They have to want to heal, and this has been proven in so many different ways. Not only even with our medical establishment right now. You know that if you're basically giving up, you're giving up. Mm -hmm. So you have to be willing to integrate this and learn from it and move forward with, with the experience that you have. That comes back to intentionality, to the mm -hmm. preparation, having a willingness to show up and be an active participant in your healing is incredibly important. More than anything else, and what I have found in my practice is that Healing is not an additive process. So many people think that, oh, if I just get this thing, right. or if somebody gives me their energy, or if I just learn this new thing, 
then I'm going to be healed. Right. We have the Western Western culture has really made. Uh, just take this pill. Just take this pill. Yeah. If I just take this outside You're gonna thing, be fine. I'm going to be fine. Yep. And if we look at this from the healing from a mental health perspective, what we're really doing there is we're using a physical solution to solve a psychological problem. Yep. And we can't use a more gross solution to solve a more subtle problem. So we're taking a gross physical pill to solve a psychological subtle problem, and it doesn't work. All we're doing is just masking the symptoms. The, the Xanax, the Lexapro, or the Cymbalta that you're taking are no different than how I use sugar or how some people use right, nicotine exactly. or alcohol. Yeah. In my practice, we think that healing is subtractive. It's we don't need anything to heal. Mm -hmm. We need to let go of the things that are uh, that are we no longer need. Right. And if we go all the way back, like if you think of if when you see a little baby mm -hmm. and they're just they're perfect and they're happy and they're smiling and granted babies cry, but they're crying because like they need I have food. Need. Yeah, right. they have a yeah. need. Generally speaking, that is the most perfect and untarnished we are going to be. And then the world kind of beats us up. Right. Like, I don't think anybody gets through puberty, like, unscathed. Oh, no. And <laughs> and anybody who says they do, I usually think we're in denial yes, or something. Exactly. Because nobody gets out of here with some bumps and bruises and scars. And then if we add, like, if we take all of that and we go through high school and we go through college, and then we, ha we have entrepreneurs who also face struggles and challenges in their business and mm -hmm. with their families and with their kids and with like, what happens when I don't have enough money to pay my employees or like when the rent checks do and I don't have, you know, that kind of money. Those are all challenges that we sort of slap on. Right. Um, it becomes wallpaper on top of paint, on top of paneling, on top of more wallpaper. Yes. And it takes a long time to peel all of that back. But when you start the peeling process, healing begins to occur. And I go all the way back to the beginning and say, what we need to peel back is what is hidden inside of our shadow. And because it's so tightly fused to us, it's like paint on top of wallpaper. We don't even know that it's there. Right. So we need somebody to help us see and provide a mirror for us to see ourselves in a safe and like gentle and healthy way. Incredible. Wow, you were so good. You just did like, mm. do, 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 do. it's like. I wasn't planning on it, awesome but you led me right me. there. I love it. Um, well, tell people how they can find out more about you. And then I'm going to do my fun questions for you. Sure. Uh, the easiest way is if you go to meet, M-E-E-T, G-V.com. That's sort of a jumping off place that you can find out information about coaching work, about psychedelic work. Uh, I'm also the founder of a tech company that uh, we are launching right now. So anything about uh, anything you can oh, find You're a marketing there. guy. I, I spent 20 plus years in corporate America and in marketing and in 2021 through a series of kind of crazy events, uh, I ended up being told sort of by the universe, that it was time to stop working with companies and start working with humans. I and love it. You listened. I listened. And it's going well. So far, so good. I love it. No complaints. Well, I have fun questions for you. <laughs> okay. My first fun question has to do with, if you could be in any science fiction show, what would it be? 
Because oh, sci- science fiction or cartoon? Wait, oh, if you want to do it in a cartoon, look, you, you should do a cartoon. So one of my favorites from ki- from growing up is the Laugh Olympics. Oh my gosh, I remember the Laugh Olympics. Yeah. Like Scooby Doo or Scooby Doo. Yeah, it was like everybody, right? Captain and Caveman the, and Grape Ape. That's and, right. Yeah, it was. Just, it was absolutely uh, one of my favorites. I'm not a huge science fiction fan. Okay. When you not to go too far out, but when you when you experience some of what I have experienced with my teachers in Peru, right? It's not really fiction as much anymore. And some it, of the yeah. some of the science fiction is we're getting closer. Like oh, science fiction has a way of becoming reality <laughs> uh-huh. at some point. You know, it's it's science fiction writers. I think are just like. Okay, kind of like shamans. You're like, I just want to prepare you guys. We're going to do this through the stuff that's entertaining and you'll watch Uh media, but we'll get there. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. All right. And you are, so one of the most amazing talents that you have is the questions (laughs) that you ask people. And, you know, have you asked a question of anyone recently that you just felt like they were like, whoa, this is so profound. And you were able to get people to these amazing places through just one question at times. That's a hard one, I know. Well, it's hard because each question, I don't know where the questions come from and they're very people specific. They're very situation specific. Um, I would say the one that one of the ones that I like the most is what would you have to change for it all to be perfect? Mm, That's a thinker. Or another one, who would you be if you didn't have this part of you? So if there's a fear, like if there is, um, I'll, I'll just use myself. Who would I be if I didn't eat sugar anymore? Right. And then if I really sat down and like think into that, like, oh, I'd probably be like 10 pounds lighter, which I would probably like my body more. And if I liked my body more, what would I be willing to do? Or, you know, you know, I think so many of us are afraid to, like, we go to the gym because we want to look good naked. That's what... <laughs> Uh, and then we don't join a nudist colony. So, <laughs> but what would it feel like to really love myself? Right. Yeah. Uh, so, what would it be? Who would I be if I didn't have an addiction to sugar? Who would you be if you didn't have an addiction to whatever it is that you're addicted to? Right. Right. Um, it's a really interesting and thought-provoking question. It is. Without sugar, I think I would definitely feel a little bit more powerful because I feel powerless against it at times. Yeah. You know, it's like it calls to me. It'll just be like, the brownies are here waiting for you. And then I'm thinking, why do I make brownies? You know? <laughs> and then, so then the next question becomes, you connect sugar with lack of power. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. you had more power, who would you be and what would you do? Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's it's something I'm exploring right now is connecting with that power that we all have that a lot of us may, it's, it's hidden, you know, it's hidden for many of us. It's hidden behind your shadow. Mm-hmm. And it is what I would consider your authentic self. Mm. You know, the the closer we can get to our authentic self, 
to truth with a capital T, the happier we become. Absolutely. And there we go back to spirituality is self-knowledge. So don't be um, afraid of spirituality. The truth shall set you free. Somebody smart said that. I can't think of who right now. I don't know, but it's actually true. <laughs> it is you very know? true. It's, it's with a capital T. Yes, absolutely. So I, I always have people on that are very, very kind. Of course, you're one of them. You're bringing your kindness to this earth to help people. Um, just share with us something top of mind, either something you witnessed, you you have received, you've given, mm -hmm. something around kindness. Something I've given or received? Can it be? Either or, or both. You can share both if you wish. Um, I had a really profound, a, a never before experience in my life that just happened this past weekend. So I worked with um, an individual from Chicago who was a very, very successful entrepreneur. And he had, he had become independently wealthy but was unhappy mm -hmm. and didn't know why. So he he came and we did some work together with psychedelics and with preparation and integration and the whole thing. He had a very profound experience. He went home. He's got three kids and a wife and began telling me about the changes that he was making. And he's, you know, I think he's got three companies. He's building two more, but he's like all of this good stuff is happening in his life. Here's the kindness part. He invited me. Um, he also, he runs a ketamine clinic. Um, and I had never done a full medicalized dose of ketamine before. It's a very uh, interesting substance that can be used to treat depression. So I had never had this experience before. So he invited me uh, to his clinic and he bought my plane tickets. He allowed me to stay in his home with oh, his family. Awesome. So it was so much kindness that was given to me, but here is the, the thing that I have never had happen. Um, three of his children, sorry, two of his children and his wife independently came to me and said, thank you for working with our father. It changed his life and it changed our family. Oh my gosh. And Wow, confirmation. Like, I like I'm getting a little teary-eyed right now because I I only ever get to see like what happens with the people that I work with. And it's always through their eyes. Right. They say, like, oh, my life's better, like this is easier, or like these things have changed. But what I was what I was given was a secondhand um lens. And I was able to to hear from an 18-year-old a 15-year-old and a 47-year-old wife, like how their lives have changed because their father came and did his work. Oh my God. So you're seeing the ripple. I'm seeing the ripple. And for in all, in all truthfulness and fairness, the biggest thing that this one person took away from our work together was to play more. <gasps> all he did was he went home and he started creating more play oh, in right. his life. He plays pickleball with one of his kids and he he adds play into his uh, into his workplace. That one thing, that one takeaway completely changed his life and the life of his families and and he employs over 100 people that are now getting to experience him in a more joyous and playful way. Oh my gosh, I love it. That is awesome, GB. This is a huge gift. That is a beautiful gift. I love it. 
Well, I have to tell you, I'm so excited I got to talk to you. Yeah. I love what you do. I think it's fascinating. I think it's um, it's a way for people to. I mean, it's this. This is coming. This is happening. We we are we are finally uh, going to take away the stigma of what this plant medicine can do for people at a very profound level. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating that you're right here in St. Louis doing this for us. Thank you. There have been people practicing this. We think that mescaline has been being used ceremonially for 11,000 years. Oh, my gosh. Uh, my teachers have been studying for 25 years in Peru, and they are in a lineage of many, many healers over many generations. And unfortunately, for many reasons, mostly political, we have... We have politicized the war on drugs, right? And it has done so much damage and, to and put our it culture. all in this one bucket. Yeah. Like they're all damaging, yeah. as opposed to there's gifts that come with with some of these gifts. And with great power comes great responsibility. And these substances are incredibly powerful. Right. So for anybody that is out there and that has fear or that wants to make sure that they're safe. Follow your intuition and ask lots of questions. Right. And, and, and they can work one-on-one -on -one with you too. It doesn't yeah. have to be in a group setting if they feel that that's more yeah, absolutely. Their, their deal. And yeah. there's like, you can, uh, psychedelicfieldmanual.com is my book. I actually give it away for free. Because Very I, good idea. I want people to be aware of what's out there. I want people to know what questions to ask the, the facilitator that they're working with. And this is coming in so many ways. We have two bills that are in, uh, in, uh, Jefferson City right now, they're going into a general session that potentially could make psilocybin accessible for veterans, um, for, oh, that, for people yeah. who really need deep healing. So uh, it's coming and we just need to be aware of it and keep as many people safe as we can. And we should mention the Michael Pollan, um, the, that he did a series on Netflix. What's it? How called? to change How your to mind. How to change your mind. And that is a great way to kind of introduce yourself to what this might look like so that you're, you know, because I mean, it's, we fear sometimes things that we're, we don't know about. And so you educate yourself so you know if this is something you should explore. Or not. Yeah. I think he, the, the book was published in 2018. The Netflix documentary was released last year, but it's a four part series. It's great to introduce this to your parents. It's great to introduce it to your kids or right. maybe your your spouse. Or um, if you're thinking, I might I might go this path, please, so that people aren't like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? You yeah. know, like you're you're thinking it through. You're not just running off and being irresponsible. Yeah, I love absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you for all that you do, GB. Thank you for having me here. And everybody out there, you've been listening to Mishmash. Thank you so much. Go spread some kindness. And uh, wow, we learned cool things today. So this was awesome. All right, bye guys. Love you. See you.